This is our first session uh, on 1 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 10, although really it's our sixth session on 1, 2 through 7. <laughs> I had to make a decision whether to put verse 7 here as part of what goes before or part of what comes after, and you'll see even though I'm calling it our first session on 1, uh, 7 to 10, it is the last session of this unit. So th this unit ended, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you accepted the word in much affliction. You accepted the word, you received it in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. What a miraculous thing. So that, now this is the part that I'm including both here and together with the second next unit. So that, so this is the effect, right? This is the effect of this. You, you accepted the word, and it came with such painful affliction, and yet that affliction was accompanied by such joy that everybody could see this was a work of the Holy Spirit. And the effect was you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, Macedonia is the upper part of Greece where Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea are, those places where Paul had just in recent months planted those churches, and Achaia is where Athens and Corinth are. And so the news of this amazing gospel acceptance in Thessalonica had spread all through the churches of Macedonia, through the believers of Macedonia, and through Achaia. So that's the effect of what had gone before, and I include it now in the next section, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, because it's followed by this ground clause, which really continues to the end of the chapter. You became an example. How do we know you became an example? Because, because not only has the word of the Lord gone forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, as I just said here in verse 7, but your faith toward God has gone forth in every place so that we need not say anything. We need not say anything because, that's why I say this continues now to the end of the chapter, he keeps giving reasons for why this amazing example has gone throughout all of Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia. For they themselves, they, who's they? They, namely these folks in every place, they, themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. So the you refers to the believers in Macedonia, or the believers in Thessalonica in particular. They report about the reception we had among you and how you turned toward God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So that whole thing is a support for, for, and that, for that effect of 
the Word of God coming in affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit and there becoming an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So, Father, as we ponder a little bit now, this idea of becoming examples for other believers, show us what this role would, or this this task, this experience would have in our uh, in our families, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, for us to become examples like this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first thing I want to observe is that this example that the Thessalonians became is an example to believers. You might think, whoa, that's an amazing, miraculous thing that happened. They became believers. They endured suffering for it. The suffering didn't make them turn away from the gospel, but increase their joy in the gospel. This must be of the Holy Spirit. That would be a great testimony to unbelievers. And indeed it would, but that's not the point here. The point is they became examples to believers, which pauses, causes me then to, to pause and say, well, why wouldn't other believers be examples to the Thessalonians? I mean, what is it about the Thessalonians that, that make them as believers especially useful to be examples to other believers? That's my question. And and one answer, I'm just going to use the text to suggest answers. One answer would be that their affliction may have been greater than the affliction of other believers. So that when believers who didn't suffer so much looked at them, they felt, whoa, look at that. Look what they endured, and they're still believing. Or it might be that their joy was so extraordinary and that other believers didn't have the same level of joy, but some joy, and so they were amazed when they heard the story of the kind of joy in affliction that they heard. Or it might be, as you continue on with the argument, that these believers here who got their example from the Thessalonians had not uh, turned from idols so fully as the Thessalonians had. You turned toward God from idols to serve the living and true God. And maybe those other believers were doing it, but they were struggling. And so when they saw how decisively the Thessalonians had turned from their idols, they were encouraged by their example. Or it may be that they did, these, these believers here did not have as clear a view of the second coming. The Thessalonians turned toward God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And the Thessalonians perhaps were so eagerly and expectantly and transformingly waiting for the son of God from heaven that these believers were strengthened in their faith in the second coming. So those are four ideas for how perhaps this example was especially powerful coming from the Thessalonians to other believers. Then to step back and think about the way God works horizontally 
with regard to the examples from one believer to another. And I would put it like this, uh, his work in others, let's start like this, God uses his work in others to do his work in us. You think that's implied here in this in this text? God uses his work in others, the Thessalonians in this case, to do his work in us, namely the believers. And I just want to underline that because in the history of the church, and I've seen some of it in my lifetime, revivals in churches spread to other churches when the wind of the testimony reaches those other churches. In other words, the example that they see in some churches and the work of God that is happening there spreads to the other believers when they hear about the example. That's the way spiritual awakening has happened worldwide repeatedly. So don't underestimate the horizontal effect of God's work in some being transferred to others. In fact, be a part of that. If you see God at work someplace, tell about it. Tell about it in your in your emails and write articles about it and converse about it. Be amazed when you read some amazing story in some church or some wonderful conversion that happened to a person or to a group of people. Spread that news. That's what's going on here. And Paul is underlining it, and God, by inspiration, is endorsing it. Maybe one other uh, couple of observations. When the word spread, what, in fact, was it that spread? For not only has the word of the Lord gone forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith toward God has gone forth in every place. Now, don't get bent out of shape by that word every, as though, ooh, that can't be true, like China or Native Americans. <laughs> we all speak this way, and we never accuse each other of uh, lies. If I come back from vacation and you say, uh, in your trip, did you find the people friendly? And I say, they were friendly everywhere. Nobody says, ah, they weren't friendly in Mexico or Argentina or China or Australia. I say, but you know what I mean. I mean every place I went. And so when Paul says that your faith has gone forth every place, he means as we work here in Corinth for these 16 or 18 months, we're getting word from everywhere. Every place that reports to us says, we've heard this about the Thessalonians, something like, like that. We don't need to say anything to anybody because this reputation of yours is, is spreading everywhere. But here's, here's the point I wanted to make in closing. Two things have spread. Word of the Lord, that's objective, gospel, not up for grabs. 
not subjective. And then your faith has spread. And that's subjective, right? That's experience. So when uh, God's influence spreads from church to church or, or people group to people group or person to person, two things always spread. A testimony of objective truth, the gospel, and a subjective testimony of experience. So we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up next time with more on turning from idols and the waiting of the Son of God from heaven. But all of that to say, don't underestimate the power of the example that a person or a church can be in the lives of others.